of Holiness podcast with Reverend Carolyn Moore and Reverend Pierce Drake. Join us today as we lean into practical holiness, intergenerational relationships, and supernatural ministry. This is a New Room Network podcast. We're so glad you're here. Let's jump in. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Art of Holiness podcast. So, so good, as always, to be back with you, Carolyn and myself. And uh, hey, we are, as we have been this series, one, Carolyn is on the mic. Carolyn, thank you for being back with us after a week off. It's a joy. It's a joy to be here with my people. That's right. And so one of the things that we know is that we've been pulling some of these older episodes out of the archives, out of the places we've recorded and had not released. This yeah. is our um, last one, unless we just randomly find one. Um, yeah, but- that's right. And, you know, I've just been really, we've been really gratified. You guys have listened. Yes. Um, my goodness, uh, you've listened. I got to tell you, Sandra Richter, mm. our audience loves Sandra Richter. So yeah, if you have a chance yet to go and listen to that episode, uh-huh. you need to listen to the to the one we just dropped a couple of weeks ago. But then you also need to go back and listen to our first one. It will stretch you theologically. And um, so it's been really good to hear from you guys. Thanks for listening to all of our all of these uh, really great conversations that we had during last last year's new room. And now we're on the way to this year's new room. We're getting ready. We're getting ready. We're prepping. We actually, as Monday, Jan- or June 26th, um, uh, we'll release this episode on the 27th. We are in the middle of getting ready to record brand new episodes this week, um, which we yeah. are really excited about. We'll be dropping in yeah. July and yeah. uh, as July kicks off, which is going to be, I mean, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got some good guys. Some and it's like it's it's like you know when you're doing a word search and you look and you look and you look and you look and you think you found all the words and then all of a sudden, whoa! I got a whole another group of words I just found, and that's sort of what I feel about the guys that we're going to be interviewing uh, that you'll be hearing in the month of July. We're going to talk to Max Wilkins, and we're going to talk to Paul Lawler. Uh, we talked to Max Wilkins about what God is doing all over the world. Um, we talked to Paul Lawler about just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. What, what did we say we're going to talk to Paul about? He's just a cool guy. We want to talk to Paul about everything. <laughs> and, um, and we've got a lot to talk. Pierce is laughing at me right now, but it's true. And then we're going to talk to Scott McKnight again. Uh-huh. Scott McKnight is going to do, um, he's got two books that have come out, just rapid fire. But the Second Testament, man, just just really, not just a great translation, but so well laid out with so much Uh extra information. I'm just really excited about it. Um, I'm about to take a, I'm about to take a a sabbatical and I plan to read that one cover to cover as my Bible study during the month of July. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us who who we're talking to today. Yeah, we are talking to uh, my boss. We are talking to uh, Mark Sorensen, senior pastor at the Woodlands Methodist Church. We actually recorded this episode right before New Room last year. So it's actually heading into New Room last year and uh, life kind of got in the way of us getting to publish it. But this is now the time, which is, you know, one of the things we've seen in these episodes uh, Mark's going to share his story with us on how he became a pastor, coming from um, his background. Uh, he did not start in ministry, coming like he didn't go the traditional, you know, undergrad seminary straight into ministry. Um, Carolyn mm-hmm. and him both have a background in radio, which is a lot of fun. 
And so you'll get to hear a little bit about that. Um, But what you'll hear in this episode, one is his heart as the Woodlands Methodist Church is 45 years old and he is the senior pastor now sitting at three years. Um, And and so when recording is about two years and the really interesting thing, I just I I want us to press into this because we've heard this in a lot of these conversations. I heard it last week with Austin and Maddie is what we were sensing the Holy Spirit doing um, back last fall and over coming out of COVID into last fall around really feeling like we were close to some, some breakthrough and awakenings. Um, really, what is this next generation looking for? Those type mm-hmm. of conversations. Mm-hmm. Now, it's the beauty of it is we're, we're on the other side of God actually breaking through some of those things. And yeah. so uh, one of my favorite preachers to listen to, and now knowing him, one of my favorite people, my friends, he is the same off the mic and off the stage as he is on. The guy is never off and uh, <laughs> just a lot of, a lot of fun. So uh, get your pens, get your paper, unless you're driving, then just listen and enjoy this episode <laughs> with Reverend Mark Sorensen. Well, Mark, thanks for jumping on the podcast with us. We're excited to have you. And uh, I mean, I've never interviewed my boss before, so this ought to be interesting. <laughs> Not really. It's going to be fun. And, and we are so intentional about who we invite and because we want to stay true to our values. So, Mark, one of our values on the art of holiness is intergenerational encouragement. We're looking for stories of men and women who are creatively engaging the next generation for the sake of raising a kingdom-minded leaders. And, and that's that's what brings us into this conversation with you. Not, not because you're Pierce's boss, but because we're genuinely interested in what uh, the, the things that are happening at the Willens Church. And, and, and as you and I have already said, the things that the Holy Spirit seems to be inspiring in the body of Christ right now. So before we get into the meat of that topic, give us the short version of the story of, of your call into ministry. Ooh, what a story. Um, well, first off, thank you both for the invitation. It's a joy to uh it's a joy to be with you and and have this conversation. So uh I, I won't take a long time. At 16, uh my dad said, Do you do you want a car? I said yes. He said, get a job. So uh <laughs> I worked at McDonald's for three months and right across the street from McDonald's in Marshall, Texas, which is where I grew up, was a little radio station called KCUL, uh, 92.3 FM. And I thought, gosh, being a DJ sounds so good. You sit, you listen to music. Uh, I wasn't very athletic. So uh, a couple of my friends dared me to go interview at the radio station. Well, I went, interviewed, got a job at 16. And that actually would be the start of about a decade of what I would do. I was a, a disc jockey for 10 years. Um, in that time, graduated high school, took some, some community classes, uh, graduated from East Texas Baptist University, but I was kind of locked in this radio career. I loved, it was a morning show host. I just, I love the creativity that radio brought. My general manager was actually grooming me to take over the radio station, but there was something about that, that career, even though I felt so locked in it, that I just felt like the Lord was saying to me, this is not it. Now I grew up, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to say I grew up in a home where Christ was the center of my house and went to First Baptist Church, got married in the church. Now I was teaching youth 
Sunday school, seventh and eighth grade boys, and I loved it. And I remember the youth director um, who saw something in me just when I was singing the choir uh, said, have you ever considered like working with young people? And and I remember going, wait a minute, do you get paid to do youth ministry? And he looked at me and said, hold on, not a lot. So don't think it's glamorous. But I loved, even the radio felt like, gosh, I'm supposed to do this. There was something about going into the church, teaching the Bible to young people that just connected with me. So really long story short, I considered working for a gas and oil company, all places in the woodlands. And my boss didn't feel at the radio station that I was really committed. So I basically lost my job. And that opened up this season of, okay, God, well, if it's not this, then where? And um, so at First Baptist, uh, the youth director that had me teaching young people Sunday school uh, took a position and left to go to work in Louisiana. And I thought, well, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to do, youth ministry. So I make an appointment with uh, my pastor there at First Baptist. I said, I'm here. He said, what for? I said, youth ministry. I have a call in my life. I feel like this is it. God's calling me to this. And I'll never forget. He looked at me and he said, not here. And I said, why? And he said, you don't have a seminary degree. I said, well, I went to East Texas Baptist University. He said, well, it's not the same thing. So the door closed. And I went, well, God, what on earth are you doing? So it was about a month and a half later. In one day, within the period of about eight hours, I had three different people mentioned to me a youth ministry position at First United Methodist Church in Marshall, Texas. They all of them said, hey, if you can sit, you know, this position, we think you'd be great for it, which is why early on Balaam was one of my favorite stories, because it just reminds me that God is for ADHD yeah. people. He's not going to give up. He's just going to keep until finally he hits you over the head. So I, the pastor of First Methodist called me in the next day and said, look, um, a couple people have told me about you. I have two questions for you. Um, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how are you with the three in one? And I said, well, we know each other. We could probably be a little better acquainted. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm good with the three in one. And then he looked at me and he said, okay, second question. Do you have a call on your life? Do you feel like the Lord is calling you to youth ministry? Do you feel like this is where God is calling you to go? I said, I do. And he said, then we want to give you an opportunity to live into this call, even if it doesn't make sense to you right now. And that was 26 years ago, my entry point into the Methodist Church, which wow. is I've been ever since. Wow. And so we have something in common because I was a DJ for a short time, too. Only I was a DJ in uh, Japan and Tokyo. Okay, I did that for a year. And then I said, but I worked. I worked in radio when I came back home. I love radio. So I have a, uh, that, no wonder you're such a uh, good communicator. Radio is a great medium. And it is. It is. Yeah, it's a great yeah. medium. So now yeah. you're at the Woodlands, a senior pastor. How did the Woodlands raise you into leadership? They threw me in the deep end of the pool and said, swim. That I mean, I, I've kind of I've grown up. So this is the fourth church that, uh, that I've worked for in 26 years. I started in youth ministry uh, in Marshall. Uh, I went to Tyler, Texas. I did youth ministry there. I started leading worship. I went to Shreveport, Louisiana, and I did college and young adult ministry there. I was a contemporary worship leader. But really, uh, Carolyn, what's interesting is this. I went to seminary in my Asbury Theological Seminary, the latter part. I finally just, I felt that that call. I've always worked for pastors that have recognized in me 
um, this um, desire to teach. And I had been given these crazy opportunities just to to preach and to have these times that I could step away, put the micro, put the guitar down and, and preach. But it's when I was two years in the seminary, Dr. Rob called me from the Woodlands and said, hey, we're looking for another pastor. Prayed about it and um, jumped into the biggest pool. Nothing about coming here made any sense to me. I hadn't finished seminary. They were looking for a pastor. I had two years to go. I still had the commissioning, the ordination. Um, but yet I felt like in Shreveport, where I was, um, I felt like I could be comfortable for the rest of my life, but I wasn't challenged. Mm. And I just felt like the Lord was saying, I know this doesn't make sense, but every move I've made, I've always felt a peace. That's how I've known that God was calling me to whatever that next thing is. I'd fast, I'd pray, and there was a peace. And it wasn't just me, my wife, it was important. She had that peace as well. Um, Pierce, I see you nodding your head and saying amen. <laughs> so, um, so I came here and um, early on, um, you know, I still had two years of seminary to go. Uh, Harvest, they, Harvest is a contemporary worshiping community here. We have Harvest and Loft and Harvest was the one they called me to be the lead pastor of. But they were breaking ground and they were building a new worship center for Harvest. It happened in the traditional service, but it was literally a building was being built down the hall. So I had two years to kind of get to know the community, ask a lot of questions. Uh, there was a it was a large church conference. It was called uh, LCI. Do you remember this? The Large Church Initiative it was a conference that would travel around to to large churches and, and people would come together. A year in, Dr. Rob asked me if I would chair and lead the large church conference that was being hosted by our church. And there's that kind of one year curse that you have when you're new. You you have to say yes to everything and you can't say no. I said yes to it and and I led that and um I've just been I've been swimming and given myself a lot of grace, but um I've just grown. I feel like the past nine years, and here's the funny thing. I mean, to be the senior pastor now, there was no way I came into this church nine years ago ever even thinking that that would be a possibility here. Um, but Dr. Rob, our founding senior pastor, he was here for 43 years, and I just I, I took the new role last year. It's interesting because Dr. Rob just shared this with me recently. He said, you know, nine years ago when you started, and that large church initiative, the conference that I said yes to leading, he said, I, I watched you then, and this is what I observed about whatever you took, whatever responsibilities you took, you did it with humility and you did it with excellence. And he said early on that that said a lot to me about you, which I thought, well, that, that's pretty great because I was just trying to stay alive and didn't think I could say no. But yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So, so the Woodlands is, I mean, I get, I get to say this now, we, you know, at the Woodlands <laughs> are, right. are, are doing some creative things with mentoring and raising up leaders. You know, I came in in the interview process um, our listeners will know that story, and but I, I I came January like December 30th through January 2nd of of this year interviewed and I preached in the harvest, yeah. um, and then the next Sunday you preached at what we call at our church the state of the church. It's kind of like you know the state of the church, and this was your first one as senior pastor, and you go to all the venues on one weekend and you lay out your vision. So this was like your first time to do that you know, yeah. seven days. So I didn't know what, I mean, we had talked in the interview process, but 
a lot of things that you said that day I didn't know about. So, um, but there is a is this mentoring and raising up next generation leaders within that conversation. Um, and so, is there a philosophy or intentionality to what we're doing, or is it just serendipity? Like, where did you, as you sat down to write your first state of the church as a senior pastor? you put in there raising up a, a thousand next generation leaders as a core principle value and mission for us. Where did that come from? You know, I think um, it's a great question. I, you know, when I, when I look back again um, for Dr. Rob, I mean, to be a single pastor for 43 years is, is incredible. That's just not in the Methodist world. That's just not, not normal. But, you know, I, I look back over just his time and the stories that I've heard to his credit, one of the things that he would do is he would he would bring in young pastors and uh, young, I mean, worship leaders, the the people who have been connected to our church that I really see kind of got poured into, raised up and sent out is is pretty incredible. So I think our church has has been doing that. But I think, Pierce, for me personally, um, one of the things that that I felt is the Holy Spirit. I mean, in 2020, when I found out from our bishop that I was being appointed here as a senior pastor at this church, mm-hmm. and I'd been here eight years, but I found this out in 2020, the fall of 2020, right? And I mean, 2020 was brutal on so many fronts, COVID and you had race and you had, um, I mean, politics. Yeah. You really don't even have to say anything except 2020. There it is. <laughs> so that's all we need to say. But, you know, for six months, our church never closed. But our worship was online for six months, right? And all of a sudden, things started to come back online in the fall. And we had we were in a series. This is when the Spirit really started to move with me personally as to that state of the church and the vision. And it was Miriam Swafield Swanson. Miriam's a friend, right? Miriam uh, came in. We saw her at the New Room Conference. And I was like, gosh, we got to have her here. Well, of course, when COVID in 2020 happened, um, she did a video. So we showed a video in the fall. She couldn't actually come in person. But the series that we were in, we were doing a series on First John. And um, it was, I think it was First John 2, right? Where John, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, John, First John, kind of the latter part of his life. And he's just turned this, this grandfather. And in First John 2, John starts speaking to the church generationally, right? Like, um, he says, I'm writing to you children because your sins have been forgiven. I'm writing to you fathers. I'm writing to you parents because you know the one who created you. I'm writing to you young people. Um, I'm writing to you children. And Miriam speaks on that particular passage and really just started talking about the generational church and how we're called like intergenerational. And one of the things that's unique about our church is we have this big youth ministry program and youth ministry kind of worships separately on Sunday mornings. We have a big children's mini ministry program, children kind of worship separately. Kids come, youth come. But I just, for me growing up, the church, everybody generationally sat together. And here we're now at this large church and everybody's sort of split. Started to get this pull that the family on the other side of 2020, and I'm sure it needed to be there before, but gosh, the family needs to be together in worship. The family needs to be together around the table. I mean, my wife and I just noticed last night um, with our kids, when our kids were little, you go to the restaurant, you know, we had the coloring sheets and we'd sit, we'd engage with our kids. Well, gosh, look at a restaurant now today. Like kids sit there, they look like Pierce with those big headphones on right now. 
right? And they've got their iPads in front of them. And I just feel like we need to we need to pull in and this kind of raising up next generation leaders. We're talking future of the church. We're talking about pouring in and investing in the future. And for me, it's just Swayze Mark, who's our 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 pastor of Next Gen Ministries. End of 2020, 2021, when we started talking about visions, the spirit just started saying intergenerational. The spirit just started saying, man, yeah. as you have in the past, continue to invest and pour into the future generations of the church. Um, and that's just where the spirit started kind of, does that make sense? Just really yeah. started. We all started to get on our leader here, the same words. We all started feeling the same thing. And that's what I just see the spirit is doing. And it's not just at the woodlands. I'm, I'm seeing it happen in, in a lot of having conversations with pastors often about next gen leaders and, and intergenerational and how do we pull everybody together? Hmm. So for a local church, then, like, I mean, what you've just described is just how, how do how do we continue to how do we keep the channel open between mm. generations, not not siloing, but keeping the channel open. But my, my question is just from a leadership perspective and in and in a, from the perspective of developing the next generation of leaders, um, what's the difference between dropping a new leader into a position of responsibility and raising somebody up under the mentorship of an existing leadership uh, of an existing leader. And in our tribe, we tend to just drop people in, right? Yeah. <laughs> More than raise up. So what are the benefits? What are the pitfalls? So when I when I came in nine years ago, again, it's um, the way this environment worked and it worked for me um, because it was very similar to the church and the leadership style that I worked for uh, in Shreveport. Um I was never micromanaged by a senior pastor. I really wasn't. Senior pastor led the traditional service in Shreveport, and I was connected to the contemporary service, and I worked with a lead pastor there. Uh, and we had this freedom and this ability, this creativity to run as big as we wanted, um, to paint with the colors that we wanted to color with. Um, what I did find early on is, don't surprise your senior pastor with anything. I learned that in Shreveport. We did a series on churches. for It was called Churches for Sale. We looked at the seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation, and we thought it'd be fun to put a poor sale sign up in front of the church to tease the series that was coming. Okay, I should have <laughs> talked to my senior pastor about that. I learned that lesson in Shreveport. That was good for me. So, you know, I came here, and it was it was very much the same. So someone who was brought on to be the lead pastor of Harvest and finished seminary, I just ran as hard as I could, and I could thrive under that environment. Um, however, here's the problem. I never really had anybody come up to me, and, and this isn't a slight against our leadership here at the church at the time, it's just the way it functioned. I never had anybody uh, come up to me and say, hey, how's your soul? Or, hey, when's the last time you've taken a day off? Or, um, hey, are you taking a vacation this year, right? I didn't really have anybody that was coming and asking those questions to me. So I say today, that I am the pastor I am today, who's just been taking notes and learning a lot of lessons, some good ones and some hard ones over the past 26 years. So mental health, um, as a senior pastor, I've called some other pastors in and they're like, are we in trouble? And I'm like, you're not in trouble, but I noticed you didn't, you're not taking any vacation days this year. What's that about? Why are you not taking a vacation? And again, because I, I didn't have that in the past. So I, I think why you need a mentor, one of the new things we've started here since I've become senior pastor 
new pastors that are coming on staff. And Pierce, you can speak to this. We have a pastor development program. There are mentors for new pastors that are coming in, lay people. There are other pastors that kind of walk with them, that work with them. There is a there is a rollout. There is a ministry development plan for new pastors who start because I think that that just gives you such a good root system so that you're not spiraling because truth is some people, they do need to be micromanaged and they do need to have some people that they can run some things off of. And so just for me, I think the pitfall um, coming in and not walking beside loving mentoring, I mean, I mean, you know, right? Acts 15, Paul, Silas, Barnabas, um, Jesus sent the, they sent them out in pairs. He didn't send them out sing, like in single file. So the idea of Lone Ranger Christianity, that's, you don't find that in the, the Gospels. You don't see that in the New Testament. So it's almost a little unfair, right? For the church, um, I don't know who said it, right? The church will cheer you to your grave. I mean, we'll absolutely just go run as hard as you can. And then cry at your funeral. Yeah, so you need you need that mentorship. Yeah, I think one of the things that's really been helpful four and a half months, four months, we talked about this yesterday, Mark, just four months being on staff here as a pastor, you know, the one of the best things that has, has happened has been the year-long calendared out, processed out, uh, kind of onboarding process that I have as a pastor here. And here's what a lot of people wouldn't know. That was not built within our house. Yeah. So that's that's one of our trustees who has a gift for that. That's yeah. a lay person that saw the need and goes, hey, this is a gifting that I have that I've done in the corporate world. Right. This is how you onboard for somebody. So right. let me come help you. So as a pastor listening to that going, man, I, how do I create this, this process? I bet there's somebody in your church, whether you have 50 people or hundreds of people or thousands of people. There are people in your church, and this is what we're called to do as pastors. We're called to equip the saints, right, to make disciples. And so this is one of the ways that this leader in our church saw the need with the pastors and go, hey, I can create that, you know, and that has been has been so, so good. Um, and one of the greatest things that's been a I think, you know, to whatever success I've had here in four and a half months, which I don't know if I had any success, but I feel like I definitely have felt more at home here um, quicker than anywhere else I've served. And I think the intentionality of our leadership to provide that, and that's going all the way down. You know, we haven't got there fully yet, but that's going all the way down into other ministries. So I talked about it earlier. I I talked about, um, you know, you set a vision. And our team has really rallied behind this of, of raising up a thousand next generation leaders. Um, so talk about the strategic way that we're doing that um, for a vision that size. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when we when we were we pulled kind of our ministry team together uh, in at the end of 2020 and we were talking about, OK, you know, our mission is real clear, which is to win people to Jesus, disciple them in faith and help those in need. But a vision, uh, a short-term vision, three to five years is also so important because it tells you this is where we're going. And early on, we kind of identified that um, a lot of our visions here in this church has been based around uh, capital campaigns. And, and that's not a terrible thing, right? We get a vision to let's build a church or let's grow our children's ministry. Well, 
our campus right now, we're pretty built up. There's nothing else we really need to build here. So we said, okay, as we're visioning forward, what are some of the what are some of the things that bring us alive? And it was Mark Swayze was in that room, right? And I've heard Mark Swayze on your podcast talk about that moment that he laid the guitar down. Still a little bitter with the Lord about that. Where the Lord's gently working me through because Swayze was with me in Harvest and was leading worship. And I remember when Swayze's like, man, I think I just got this call to youth ministry to apply for the youth ministry position here. And doggone it. I did the very thing that would drive me crazy with pastors. When Swayze said this to me, I said, well, Mark, you know what? If it's the Lord's will, it's going to work out. But in my mind, I'm like, there is no way that's the Lord's will because we're doing a nationwide search. Well, did that ever come back to get me? So it was the Lord's will. But um, <laughs> what, I, what I love is, again, let me, if I can go full circle, I'm the pastor that I am today because of other pastors that saw something in me that literally encouraged me on Sundays to put the guitar down, to pick up the word and share a word that I felt the Lord had placed on my heart. And when I started to see this happening with Mark, I went, wow, this is my opportunity now to do for Mark and with Mark what someone has done to me. And it's been such a beautiful thing to see how this is just, how this just continues to work. So Mark's got this Mark's got this. He's like, let's just let's go a thousand next generation leaders. And Mark's heart very much is over this next generation in youth ministry. One of the things he said is, you know, if they're leading, they're leaving. That's young people in our church. If they're not leading, they're leaving. So look, just in our youth ministry right now, what Mark has done is he has created all these different shepherding teams within our our young people here, our youth in the church. You've got a teaching team, a hospitality team, a discipleship team, a media team, a worship and missions team. And you have to apply to be on these teams. It sounds great. Like we're supposed to be playing paintball, right? Or, um, you know, uh, throwing water balloons at one another. Swayze's doing it. And he just said, I talked to him before this, there were 117 applications from young people right now to be a part of these teams. The teaching team... Um, they've got an appointment. They literally, the teaching team that they bring a devotion, they bring a word on Sunday morning. They meet with all of the pastors on staff here, and they're they're coming in to meet with October just to sit and say, okay, pour into us. How do you put the word together? What does that look like? Um, young people that feel like they they're not seen in youth departments, they're running cameras and they're running the meet. They're like it's a it's, it's the church being the church. This is what we see. So with a residency program, we've got worship leaders that are coming in. I'm even thinking further down the road. I mean, the last Pierce was at Edge Camp where Swayze asked the question, right, how many of you feel a call to ministry? He said this to students. How many of you right now feel, you don't have to understand it, but you feel the Lord is calling you to serve in full-time ministry. There were 58 young people that raised their hands and said, we feel like we have a call in our life. Well, when you're raising up a thousand next generation leaders, let's take them 58 at a time, 117 at a time. Let's just make the invitation known and, and say, you don't have to have it figured out. But what we want to do is we want to walk beside you. We want to love you through this. It's what people have done for me. And now we just get to continue to do this forward. And I, it's so easy sometimes just to, to forget who's sitting right in front of you. But my word is it's a beautiful thing what the spirit's doing. It's a really positive 
uh, spin too on what we typically get in uh, you know the the typical headline right now in a church fear tactic pod, uh, uh, article is you know within a generation all the all the pastors will be retired you know within a generation or within in the next five years if we don't do something right now everybody's dead and you know they do that just to just to just to keep us anxious if we weren't anxious enough already yeah, but rather than rather than screaming at the church about who's retiring what if we use the energy and, and skip the anxiety and use the energy to say, all right, whether it's two people in my church or or 20 people or a thousand people, it's 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 the parable, right? Whether it's 10 minus, five minus, or one minor, you're responsible for the minors you've been given. <laughs> and yes, in this case, I, it's minors. <laughs> you're responsible for those you've been given. Raise up two or three, and you can say, Well, I I knocked a dent in the darkness. Yeah. 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 I love it. I love it. Cause I mean, we're talking in next generation leadership as we talk, as we talk the future of the church, but we're also talking the legacy, right? Like the, the sweat, the blood and the tears and the sacrifice has been poured out by older generations and the younger generation will become the older generation. Right. It's just the season that they're in. Um, we're going to talk about a bunch of different generations. We're not just going to talk about young people, but one last question on kind of our young people. What is it in them that that you see that inspires you um, as you think about their uniqueness? Oh, man. You know, I, I think oh, there's just a, a desire for authenticity. Mm-hmm. That's it. And it's not... You know, it's not the haze in a worship service. Uh, it's not the graphics that you use. It's not the booms. And it's not putting the cool shine or spin. There's almost just a push against that, right? Um, Facebook, like younger generation, they're not even on Facebook. My kids aren't even on Facebook. It's, they just want authenticity. And they, and they want the reality of scripture. They want the realness of scripture. They, they don't just want all the frosting. They want to be challenged. Um, and and I just see such a hunger right now with our young people um, to just say, just give me the word. Just give me the word. And it's okay if you, like as a pastor, there's times I get up and I go, gosh, I, I haven't done this well this week. And, and I think there's just this desire to say, just be authentic. Just be authentic. Be real with me. But don't give me the fairy tale. Give me the real. Give me the real gospel. And that's just what I what I'm so encouraged by is this desire. They don't want to be entertained. They want to serve. And um, they're desiring, like it's I was so it's so interesting during again during COVID, Swayze, you know, adults, we all just some of us embrace the six-foot social distance thing too far. And we just wouldn't come back to church. But Swayze found I mean, you couldn't keep the young people out. You, they, they just didn't want to stay away from. Them. They drew in uh, rather than adults going. I don't know that I need that anymore. So I'm just I'm so encouraged about our future generation. And honestly, I know we probably don't want to get into the denominational issues within the Greater United Methodist Church. But for me and our church right now, thinking about the future generations of our church, that's 
this is so important. This conversation that we're having right now is so important. And it's been interesting because there has been a focus on youth and children. And I have an older generation that's going, well, you don't care about us anymore. And that's, yes. that's not the case at all. That's not the case. But again, I don't know who said it. I read a lot, but they said, look, a church that doesn't see youth ministry and children's ministry as the future of the church, that's a church that doesn't have a future. Right. Mm. And I think that's why you have to, again, now we're getting full circle back to intergenerational, why we need one another. But my goodness, I'm so hopeful for the next generation. And by the way, they're not the next generation. They're the generation right now. We don't right. need that's a, yeah. for the youth to be the future of the church. I think the church has missed the boat a little bit with that. Like we've actually been content to let them step out of youth ministry, cross their fingers and hope when they're married with 2.4 kids at the age of 28, 30, that they're going to come back. Oh, man, we got to get them as the church now. Right. So anyway. That's exactly right. I remember the first time I did a chrysalis walk. Uh, as a spiritual leader, and and I, uh, my confession at the end of that walk is it's it's part of the Emmaus movement. Yep. The walk to Emmaus is for adults. Chrysalis is for youth. I'd always done the adult one, you know, where you see everybody come back and talk about how they've been broken and you know their life is shattered, but now they have Jesus again. And I thought, why would you waste chrysalis on? People before they broken, shattered, and <laughs> messed up, they now they won't have their adult experience. But I thought, you know what? There is another option, and that is that if the church holds on to them well and 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 works with them in healthy ways, maybe they don't have to have the broken, shattered, come home moment. Yeah. Maybe they just never leave. So, so, it. so this is also what we're talking about. Is, is also about generations that I'll mentor and coach and encourage. So how do you cast this vision to those who will be building a legacy through their involvement? How do you, how do you want an elder in the church? And by elder, I mean, spiritual elder, not vocational elder, not the person who had hands laid on him and now he's getting insurance and pension. I'm talking about the true spiritual elder in the church. How do you want that person to understand their call to raise up the next ones? Uh, someone, someone 45, we, we quote this with a lot around here, right? But David says one generation shall extol your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. And, and it's easy to read that and just think, okay, one generation shall extol your works to another. So it's an older generation that pours into the younger, but yeah. what if that also goes the other way around, right? Like exactly. what generation can actually pour into and declare your mighty acts to an older generation. And I mean, that's the, I truly believe that's the beauty of what um, intergenerational pulling everyone together does. Again, sorry, COVID is taking so so much of our time here. But as hard as that season was, there were some beautiful things that came through that season. During COVID, our seniors that couldn't get out of the house, our senior citizens, like our young people adopted our senior citizens at that time, called them, sent them cards, sent them encouragement. That was such a huge blessing. And it was such a simple thing to do. Um, you and Marmy, we just, we have a big missional thing we do here at the church. They go off campus and do mission work. And you get to see this picture of intergenerational. You've got, um, uh, older men and women in our church that are operating skill saws and they're training. It always scares me to death, but younger people are using power tools, but there is just this shepherding and this wisdom that's happening. And I just, I think any time, and I'm speaking from a large church perspective, because this guy that grew up in a small church, who now finds himself a senior pastor of what could be considered a mega church, 
I just find the more we can make a big church, a small church, the better it is for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So easy to get siloed and to just get locked into your little thing. But what happened to revivals in the church? Bringing in a speaker, having three or four nights. What happened? Can I say this? To cover dish so did COVID take away our potlucks? Come on. What happened to that? What we happened? still have. <laughs> what happened to sitting around a table, having after church functions? Um, I just, to me, the more you can harness community, the more you can have a worship service. And that's great. I love what happens between that one hour that we give the spirit. Don't go an hour five, Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. But the, no kidding. But after the service, it's those conversations that happen in the hallway. It's those conversations that happen in the parking lot. Again, intergenerational. I just, the more we harness these things, the more we find one generation shall extol your works into the next. And it goes both ways. It's not just poured into young people, but young people like showing and giving that hope to an older generation Mm -hmm. that we, we, we understand where you were. We're there like young people in worship, filling up the front three or four rows worshiping. It's just, it's a beautiful thing. That's what the church is supposed to be. Yeah. 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 Mark, I, I want to say this. I, I We are not a mega church, but one way this year that we have really um, mm. emphasized community is by having, um, is, when we have communion on Sunday mornings, we, we ask the church to please take someone home with you and finish communion around your table at home. So we have Holy Communion in the worship space, but then we say, I want you to take two or three people home with you and have lunch with them. That That's complete communion. Yes. And, and what I've discovered, because we've been doing this now since last November, I don't have enough toys in my house uh, uh, I, I I thought I had enough toys because I had a little one but she's still you know she, to her last time she was with us Pierce she was little bitty so I mm-hmm. this week I got Legos delivered to my house because I've got I've got children coming in my home again because mm-hmm. on Sunday afternoons we have people over I'll have I'll have kids over in my house on the 28th when we have communion again so there's mm-hmm. there's lots of ways to bring the generations together we really do we we need to take that uh that 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 mandate really seriously mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and live it out and take it right yeah right yeah yeah, and I, I know I've said this both to y'all, and I've said it while preaching here. It's like for us that believe in, you know, and practice infant baptism in, as a body, like the church is making those mandates and promises over these children, yeah. you know? And so it's 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 not a call. It's not a gotcha thing, but it's like this is what we're promising the kids. And so, so right. often— Mark, as we kind of finish and wrap up, so often we, when we talk intergenerational ministry, we talk 25 and under, 30 and under, and 60 and over. Those are kind of the two generations we talk about. But I don't want to leave out our boomers, you know, people who are 42 to 57. Like, where do they fit in? What's the, what's the gift that they bring into the body right now as we talk through this multi-generational ministry? Yeah, I mean, that's a... That's a that's a good that's a good question. I think um, again, you know, aside from the raising up a thousand next generation leaders, one of the first things that I said is um, I want every 
member of our church to be involved in some sort of discipleship program. Mm -hmm. And discipleship, by the way, is not a program. It's a lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. But if, um, I mean, where, so Carolyn, we, at the end of our services, we always, we always say, look, this is not a benediction. This is a call to worship because a benediction means that the service is done and we're just going to wait and come back and see what God says next week. Right. Let's think of the end of the service actually as our call to worship, because it's easy to worship inside the walls of the church, not quite as easy sometimes in our workplaces, in our schools. Right. And I, I think we continue to use this language. Um, who are you investing in? Um, where are you mentoring? Where are you serving? Um, so I would think for that that generation, I mean, it, I just don't. Don't, don't, don't leave the Lord in the worship house. Like um, mm -hmm. where, where, who are you? Who's your one? Who are you investing in? Who are you pouring into? Be intentional about that, which is why I think application, um, you know, the three point sermon that all have the same starting words. Y'all, I love a three point sermon. I do. But, um, it's also, Hey, I dare you to take this, take this point, take this application. And okay. Now, now look, through the course of your week at, okay, who's the one that doesn't know good news this week? Who's the one that the Holy Spirit's going to put in front of you? And you're going to feel the nudge and you're going to go, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think that someone else can probably do. like, where are you just living it out? Does that makes any sense at all? It's just kind of like, man, yes. now's the time. Yeah. So you're saying it's a good thing at the end of the service to ask people to stand up and grab two people around them. And to pray together, would would you say? I mean, that's cutting edge. And go a step further, Pierce. Um, you know what? Just interlock fingers with the person next to you. Let's just <laughs> hold stretch across. No, I know, but <laughs> no, that's an inside joke. I did that a few weeks ago. Um, and uh, oh was, say it again. Context. Say the context of of why why that happened. Yeah. So I. The camp that you referenced with our students a few uh, back in the summer, I got asked to preach it. And so four nights and and so Swayze and I led those nights and I led the preaching. And then anyway, and then we did kind of ministry time together. And at the end of one of the nights, you know, it's a camp. So one of the nights we asked the students to gather together to pray. They did. We had planned 10 to 12 minutes for that. It ended up going over an hour that first night. And so I really began to think, oh, these kids are stepping in. Joanne Lyon said it last week on the podcast that this generation is not interested in just being in the audience, but they want to be actors in the play that God is doing. And so we, we yeah. shifted into that the last night and planned another 15 minutes. It went two out two, two and a half hours of students going to each other and saying, repenting to each other, these senior junior high school boys crying to each other going, I, I wronged you. And it was just this powerful move. And so we, man, I just, I, I, I came back from that just so, so moved by their desire to, to to put into practice exactly then and there what they had just heard. And um, Lo Alleman, who's a friend of all of ours, talks about the difference in uh, one side of the brain is knowledge and the other side is action. It's a different side of the brain. And so yeah. activating both sides of the brain in in, in service. So anyway, I did, I, I did go to my senior pastor, Mark Sorensen, and get permission for this. Uh, but at the end of our harvest service, I just I, 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 we talked about David and Jonathan, their friendship and how they sustained each other and how Jonathan helped uh, David step into the call that he had. And so we asked, you know, what was it, 1,500 people to stand up and get in 
groups of two and three into prayer for each other. And we'll we'll end on this because this is intergenerational because it was intergenerational ministry. Mark, share the story that you heard this week um, on the outcome of that in just one area. Well, here's here's the new level of leadership that I'm in now that um, when things like that happen, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get emails about that. I never used to say that before I became senior pastor. But now it's like, yeah, I'm going to get emails about that. But what I love, you said, I knew that was going to be so challenging for people. But you said, you know, my fear is maybe you're, you're uncomfortable because you've never prayed before. But maybe there's going to be somebody in that space that's never been prayed for. Mm-hmm. That was the bigger that was the bigger deal. So I was all in and I was just having lunch with um uh, John David with J.D. Walt this week, and we were just finishing up on Monday, and I got up from the table, and a lady called my name, and I walked over. She was there with her husband, and their kids had just, it was their first day at school, and they were just having a celebratory lunch. And I was like, that's great. I said, how, how long have you been coming to the church? She said, well, actually, we visited our first Sunday. We walked in, and she said, do you remember that Sunday where that young pastor had everybody pray for one another. And I thought, oh man, here it comes. I'm in so much trouble. She said, that's the Sunday that we showed up. And she said, we turned around, we looked, we didn't know a single person, but there was a couple behind us and said, okay, well, how can we pray for you? And she said, we just moved here. We've got these kids. We don't even know where to start when it comes to schools, where they should go. And one of the, one of the adults behind him said, hey, you need to check out the school. And she said, it was as if the Holy Spirit said, I researched it that afternoon. And she said, we're here today to celebrate our kids getting accepted under the wire into this school. And she said, it all came as a result of that, that prayer service and that couple who she said, now we're friends. Wow. Can you imagine? Beautiful. Aired on the side of going, you know what, let's not do that because that could make people uncomfortable. And, mm. and it turns out community is essential. Essential. Community is essential. Mark, thank you so much for being part of us today. Thank you for this conversation. Just praying blessing upon blessing over your vision. And uh, I hope I'll see you soon. You know, Carolyn, one of the things I found is, um, and I heard it in Mark's story again, and I hear it throughout, is the people that really want to pour into the next generation are people who have a uh, a close memory of the people who poured into them when they were younger, even if they're not younger anymore. Right. You know, um, Adam Weber, who's who's been on the podcast before, pastor of Embrace mm-hmm. Church. That guy, I love listening to him because every yeah. time I listen to him, whether it's a sermon or it is a um, video or just an Instagram story, he always talks as I feel like he just got saved yesterday. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, he just yeah. has this like the gospel yeah. is fresh every day to him. Yeah, yeah. And and the people that and as it should be, and the people that really are looking to pour into this next generation, Mark being one of them, setting that as a core tenant um, pillar in our vision moving forward as a church are people who haven't forgot of those people who poured into them. Yeah. And that's really, I think one of the bigger reasons we wanted to talk to Mark because he, he is taking what was given to him through Ed Robb, mm-hmm. um, someone who brought him in to the woodlands at a very young age and has slowly raised him up to this place where he's now, right. I mean, he was just able to take, go from zero to 60 
in a very different way than you know people normally. It's not the it's not the path folks normally take. Oh gosh, certainly, no. certainly not in the tribe that we've come out of, where you where you you can't raise somebody up from within your own uh, congregation. So, um, so but because he's had that experience, he's now. And this is something from I'm on the outside looking in, but I've noticed this with a lot of admiration that Mark Swayze has, is doing the same thing. Yep. Um, Rob uh, Renfro, same thing, yep. raising up Daniel Lumpy. Um, that everybody on your staff, it seems like, who is in a senior position, is raising up someone who's um, who's early, young in ministry, so that your church doesn't have to do that thing where you everybody turns eighty, <laughs> and then it either turns or uh, starts back again with a few young families and struggles, or it just dies. Right. But but you're building in, you're building in to your congregation not just longevity, but 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 really understanding what Paul meant when he said to Timothy, "This is not your faith." to do with as you please it's yours to pass on to the next ones right. i'm doing this with you paul now i'm uh, with you timothy now i'm asking you to do it with the next ones you're you you remember that the faith of your mother the faith of your grandmother that's the faith that's running through your veins and it is yours to pass along that's that right. is biblical and it's beautiful and it really takes care of the body of christ because we know that when you raise people up from the inside, they have the DNA of the church culture in them. And then, and they're the ones who are then able to, the, the, the learning curve isn't as, as steep for, for either the person stepping in or for the congregation. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And some of the interesting ways to see this have played out since um, that conversation with, with Sorensen back in uh, September of last year of 2022 is one of those is is one of our senior leaders, uh, Susan Kent, you know, uh, planned a beautiful series um, where it wasn't focused on women in scripture, but we we focused it on um, uh, bringing in female pastors and preachers, right? You got to be a part of that. We brought you in for that. Um, mm-hmm. Jordan Wilson, who's a friend, Rika McCroy, excuse me, great friend. But then we also had Brooke Anderson. Right. Brooke right. Anderson, my friends, is 16 years old and can preach the right. house down. Right, exactly. I mean, exactly. Just insane yeah. preacher. Yeah. And, and when you ha- and when you have that kind of culture in your in your organization, no, I hate to use that word. When you have that kind of culture in your community, that's the word yeah. I want to use. Uh-huh. Then then it naturally bleeds down. Right. It just naturally flows down. Yeah, Beautiful. I remember. I remember hearing this pastor um, uh, who has. You remember that thing the Reformed movement did, Carolyn, back like ten years ago, called the Elephant Room. Do you remember that? Basically, yeah, Basically. it was like six or seven pastors, you know, all pretty Reformed, and uh-huh. they kind of got in the room, debated topics, uh-huh. and the conversation of young pastors came up. And one of the uh-huh. one of the guys in the room is kind of young, but the rest of them are, you know, middle aged to older. Yeah. One of the guys in his he had to be early sixties, early sixties, which now has fallen out of ministry because of failure, moral failures and different things. Um, he said this. He said, 
I will, he goes, I have a desire to pour into the next generation. He goes, but I'm not going to give up my best years on the platform for them. Yeah. I sh- and that's not, I'm not putting that on all reformed guys. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. Right. But right. that was his attitude. Yeah. I'm going like, hey, I will pour into you basically, hey, you can come to my office and learn from me. Yeah. But I'm not going to, yeah. and you know, Swayze has said from the very beginning, um, hey, I'll help build the platform, but I'm going to give it away probably before I need to. Yeah. You know, that's exactly who I was thinking of. How many times have I been in a room where Mark Swayze's team was leading worship? Mark Swayze was walking around in the background or, or laid out on the floor or. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and his his voice and his instrument were not critical to making sure that that the that the room was being led, right. and uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's this is a biblical principle that uh, I I I hope we can claim or reclaim, yeah, and get excited about. It's and it's this: the the, the more you give away, the more God blesses you. Amen. Um, the it's in order to in order to gain your life, you have to lose it. Yeah. Um, in order to gain a platform, you have to lose it. Yeah. So, uh, so friends, um, be encouraged today to find someone who's who's younger than you and begin pouring into them and recognize that it's it's kind of it's on us. It's on us who are who are in this position to raise up the next ones. And, That's right. uh, and, and and there is and there is sacrifice. You and I were talking about this before we actually got on this. You know, there's sacrifice. I I have I have sensed in my own life and ministry that I was to raise someone up and then let him lead. And God's not been quick to tell me what's next for me, but I am confident that's what, you know, that that's, that's what God's told me to do. Raise them up and then let them lead. Yeah. Right. That's right. So if y'all know what's next for Carolyn, her number is five, five, five. And uh, call. Uh, hey, thank y'all for being with us. We love you all. I, I hope you, uh, it, you know, one of the things that I love to do is introduce people to new voices. Um, we get to do that a lot. So I, I, if you had not heard of Mark Swenson, um, seriously, go listen to some of his messages yeah. on YouTube. Um, brilliant man. Um, yeah. Incredible communicator of the gospel. Yeah. And enjoy the Lord all over him. And so it's an honor for me to be on his staff, but also uh, to share him with you all today. So be blessed and we will see you all next week.